Hello everyone, and welcome to the 10th episode of Corners of the World. This week, the focus is on Luxembourg, one of the smallest countries in Western Europe. Luxembourg has seen a dramatic improvement in international results in the last decade. From a record low of being ranked 185th in 2006, the country is now in the top 100, and have recently recorded memorable results such as the draw against France and a victory over Hungary. In the most recent Nations League campaign, the side maintained their status in League C and weren't far off winning promotion. To discuss the recent developments in Luxembourgish football, home and abroad, I was joined by Bons Horvath from the Football in Luxembourg page, the best account on Twitter for updates of, you guessed it, football in Luxembourg. Before diving into the domestic league and one of its size's unexpected European successes, I began by asking what was responsible for the uptick in the national team's fortunes. I think if we have to well, choose a starting point, first milestone, that would be the pointing of Luc Holtz, the current national team manager, who's been a player coach uh, after he retired. And in 2008, he took over the, the under-21 national team. And he had been there for two years when he was appointed in the start of the last decade uh, as the senior national coach. And... Since that, Luxembourgish, uh, yeah, Luxembourgish football has taken an upward spiral. And yeah, maybe he's the main man if we are talking about this revolution behind the football. Yeah, and how have fans responded to this in Luxembourg with the national team? Is there higher expectation of the team now? Not really. Most of them are just enjoying the successes reach and there aren't any weight uh, any lofty expectations on the shoulders of the players because we are still a small country a minnow country so we should be happy for every minor bigger result we can get for example staying in division c is a big success in itself considering how deep we were like 10 or 15 years ago so i would say the fans aren't really uh, placing big expectations on the players shoulders they are just enjoying the good times while they last. Yeah, of course, enjoy it while it lasts. And do you think that the team's almost reached a peak and League C's kind of as high as it's going to be able to get with one or two wins in qualifying campaigns? Or do you think it can go up to that next level of maybe two, three wins in a qualifying campaign? I wouldn't say uh, that we can get promoted in the next two or three years from the nation, from the Nations League because it's a longer process than that. We've been in that upward trajectory since like 10 years and still we are only turning heads in the last one or two years. And for now, we have to be proud of almost getting promoted from Division C. And if we can get this uh, level in the next years as well, and if we can make it sustainable, then it will be the bigger success. And maybe we can start thinking about bigger things in like 10 or 20 years, but not for now. And at these international games, when fans are able to be in the stands and in the stadium, how do the Luxembourg fans display their support for the team and how passionate are they about the international football team? Yeah, well, the Ultras group and the supporters group are, of course, relatively small compared to other nations uh, groups because in the end of the day, it's still a tiny country, so we can't expect more from the fans, really. But of course, the younger generations are following football and following the domestic league as well. And I'm glad it's not like this in many countries, like as I've heard in Wales, 
the TV uh, in the TV the results of the UEFA league aren't even shown. So in Luxembourg there is a high interest in both the domestic league and the national team, and that's a good first step. Uh, there are many passionate fans across Luxembourg, but of course in these COVID times it it doesn't really matter. They can only support the team online. Mm. And with the domestic league, is the Luxembourg domestic league quite popular in the country and has a sort of level equivalent to the major leagues in Europe? Or is there still a sense that the major European leagues have more importance? Well, to begin with, many people are following the BGL league and it also has a relatively big group of fans. And don't forget that with a country who has this, who has a population as small as it is, many of the fans are former players or many of the fans have uh, player friends or something. So, so a big percentage of people are connected to the players or managers in some ways. And that helps the BGL league becoming more popular in the country. Uh, as for the level of the league, I would say uh, in qualities, it's somewhere like Vanarama National League in England. Fortunately, I think that can uh, change and it can improve in the following years. But as things stand, I wouldn't say that inability it can be compared to any of the any of the other European mid-table leagues, if we can say that. Yeah. So with the league, what sort of players does it attract? Because you compared it to the uh, Vanarama National League here in England. So is it always going to be domestic players that it attracts from youth building up towards a professional club level? Or is it that there are a couple of international players that come over to Luxembourg to try and get a break in Europe? Yeah, surprisingly, there are many uh, foreign players. And yeah, in, uh, in this matter, it couldn't be compared to the Vanarama because definitely it attracts many people from French who once played in divisions, in the top divisions of France. And, you know, quite a lot of journeymen are playing in Luxembourg in the smaller clubs who are just happy to sign these lads in a professional contract, maybe. So it can attract uh, bigger names as well. I mean, relatively bigger names like Yanis Taffer, who... I think has Algerian international caps under his belt, but I'm not sure. He's currently playing at Racing Luxembourg. He's quite a big name in the country now. Another one is Julien Situ, who's started his career in France and I think played for Montpellier or some French League One clubs and is currently playing his trade at Mondorf. So there are quite a lot of French uh, footballers and also a lot of Portuguese or Slavic roots in the country but not only in football the society is consisting of many of portuguese and african or people with african descent or slavic descent what's the typical path of players out of the luxembourg league like are players kind of happy at that level or is there kind of that need to almost go to one of the middling leagues in europe like one of the lower leagues in germany well of course most of the uh, players playing here aren't happy to be there so they want to force their way up, but well, it's uh, really rare to see a Luxembourgish footballer finding his way out from this league to a bigger league abroad. Uh, the Teal brothers might be an exception, but they all started their careers in Metz Academy in France. 
So if any, if a Luxembourgish footballer can achieve, if, if he wants to achieve anything in his career, he should definitely start his career in France or Germany because very few youth scouts are tracking the league, unfortunately. And it's almost impossible to get out of here if you are not the top goal scorer or anything. Mm, and with the league, do you find that there's a good level of competition between the clubs that they're all at a similar level? Or have a couple of clubs become dominant forces that overpower the league? I think there are dominant forces in every country of the world, but it's, it's fair to say that it's, uh, it's hard to predict the results because most of the clubs are on the same level, uh, with the exception of Dunelange, of course, because they played in the last two Europa Leagues. And we are very proud of that. But except them, there are four or five clubs which you could name who can be contenders of European qualification. I mean, like Europa League uh, qualifiers, qualification, and of course, not talking about the group stage here. But yeah, there are some some stronger clubs, but it's it's still a big contest and a hard contest, and we can't really predict predict uh, who will go down at the end of the season because it's always so tight. Mm. And with Dudelange, you've mentioned that they've made the Europa League group stage twice now. Do you think that they're going to continue that success? And well, I mean, it'll be the new Europa Conference League from next season. But do you think that that shift is going to help them in qualifying more regularly? Well, to be fair, even when they first qualified for the Europa League, I said that there is no chance that they would qualify one more time. But eventually they did. So no one knows now. Uh, of course, I would say they don't really have a chance of Europa League, but this new conference league can be a chance for one or two Luxembourgish clubs to, to make a name for themselves in the following years and make a bigger income as well, because, of course, that's important in a semi-professional league. Dudelange, of course, are one of them. And as I know, the league winners qualify to Champions League qualifiers from, from where they have to win only two ties to get to the Conference League group stage. And that's a big opportunity for clubs like Dudelange, who have been in the Europa League in recent years, but couldn't get there consistently. Yeah, of course. But do you think that maybe these clubs like Dudelange and maybe uh, Frolet-Esch getting through is going to mean that the league becomes a bit too unbalanced because the clubs that get through to Europe are going to end up with way more resources than others? I hope not, because Dudelange have been in the Europa League uh, twice and they still aren't leading the league. So, well, it can mean that they have higher incomes, but it's also important to know where are they spending the money they get. Because if they couldn't, if they can't uh, spend it properly, then it would, would not mean anything at all. Uh, of course, with some smart uh, managing of the club, the league can go um, uh, can become unbalanced a bit, but I would be happy with that as well. Just have at least one Luxembourgish club who will definitely qualify year in year out to uh, Conference League or Europa League, and we would be very happy. Of course, and in the league again, um, which games are considered to be the big derbies? Is it usually the big teams playing each other, being the games that are most looked forward to, or are there more local derbies? Yeah, there are a few because many of the football clubs are from the same towns, so there are a lot of local derbies. Ash, the Ash Derby is the biggest probably for, uh, between Folage and Jeunesse Ash, but another big derby can be Rodange and Union Titus Pitange, but they are lower level clubs. I mean, 
they aren't really uh, contesting for European places at the end of seasons, but it's still a heated match because both uh, sets of fans really hype it up, uh, both Petange and Rodange fans. These are the two biggest derbies probably, but of course, Folache and Dudelange, uh, when they play against each other, it's also a big rivalry based on the results in recent years. It's also considered two of Luxembourg's biggest teams. So when they play against each other, everyone will watch that in the country. Yeah, so do you think that that means that there's support across the country or, as I've noticed, that there's a bit of a north-south split in the teams that are in the league? Is it across the country that it's popular or is it just concentrated in the cities? Well, across the country, the league is popular itself, but a big percentage of people live in the south of the country and the north, well, there are very few cities in the north and the northern part of the country largely consists of forests and uninhabited uh, territories. So, yeah, of course, because of that, in the south there are more uh, followers of the league and supporters, but I think it's across the country where people are interested. And does this nationwide popularity for the sport of football come across when it comes to women's football as well? Has it experienced an increase in popularity over the last couple of years like it has in other places across Europe and across the world even? Yeah, compared to other countries, uh, the women's league has improved much in recent years as well. And of course, thanks to that, many people follow it as well, but it's much harder to follow because matches aren't shown online these days and fans can't attend matches. So we can only get the results and there aren't any live streams nowadays. And as I've heard, if that will be on March, when the FLF could decide that every league, the BGL league and the Women's League can be deleted, I mean voided, because of COVID, we are still only halfway through the season and it's already March and the number of cases are growing and growing. And don't forget that it's a semi-professional league, so it's maybe not that important compared to other leagues in the world. So yeah, women's football are highly supported and a lot of money has been uh, invested into it, but it's still not strong enough and there isn't really any communication, live streams and interactive things from clubs and social media or anything. They only type the results and nothing else. So it's really hard to, to find information about it on the internet. Yeah, and does that difficulty also translate over to the relatively new women's international team as they only played their first international game in 2006? Has their profile grown since or have they also struggled to make a statement and make an impact in the country? I think they've struggled even more than the clubs because if we are talking about the national team, everyone will uh, think about the men's national team. So the women's national team is very much uh, in the background and not really supported, not supported enough because when they play national matches, it isn't always even shown in the TV. So, of course, uh, the national team can't get too much supporters either because simply the websites aren't informative enough, the TV channels aren't informative and this is a big problem in the 21st century. Yeah, of course. And also, I noticed that they didn't actually enter the qualifying stages for the Women's Euros in 2022. Is that because they didn't have the support of the Federation or some other wider issues? Yeah, mainly because of that. Yeah, it's also connected in some ways to the Federation. Maybe they just thought there isn't too much uh, 
attention paid to it uh, anyway. So they simply decided that the costs are, wouldn't really make profit for them. So yeah, it was not worth it. Well, that's a bit disappointing, really. Um, but uh, yeah, just to finish off, in just a couple of words and phrases, how would you describe the state of football in Luxembourg? Well, of course, it's uh, growing rapidly. Results are becoming better and better in the recent years. But we also have to know that that is still uh, can't be compared to the other European leagues. And when I say that, I think of the the medium uh, European leagues like Switzerland or Belgium. We are still very far from that. And uh, two big expectations can be put uh, on the players because. It's still a semi-professional league and we should not forget that it's on that level. But I really hope it can improve because the current board and the federation are ambitious enough to turn the tide. However, about the women's football, I have bigger concerns because they aren't improving at all. All right, well, it seems like there's room for optimism and also room for improvement, which seems like it's a great thing to have going forward, really. So thank you very much for coming on to the podcast and having a conversation. I enjoyed it really and I'm looking forward to hearing it. Thanks very much for listening. Again, you can keep up to speed on all things Luxembourgish football by following the Football in Luxembourg account. If you want more from Corners of the World, you can find all previous episodes through the URB podcast page of various podcast streaming services or on the Corners of the World website. Hopefully, you will come back for the next episode, when I'll be exploring another corner of the world.